I am excited to be in this series called Emotional, where we are just taking a few weeks to talk about emotions, because how many people know that life can be emotional? There are all sorts of things going on in our lives that we're dealing with and facing, and so we just thought it'd be great to take a few weeks to talk about emotions and what the Bible has to say about it. Last week, we talked about how to have joy, how to keep our joy when all sorts of bad stuff is happening in our life. And today, I want to talk to you uh, about this idea, this idea of anger and, and bitterness and being mad. And so the title of the message today is this, you mad bruh, all right? And so I want you to uh, just do me a favor. Why don't you turn to the person you're sitting beside and just ask them, you mad bro. But don't say bro. You got to say right about you mad bruh. Like, don't finish the word. Just be like... You mad, bruh? I just, so like, I'm really helping some of y'all. So when you go to work tomorrow, you're gonna be like, what's up, bruh? And it's uh, just a whole nother level of cool. We're just, just taking you up there. Bruh, what's up, bruh? Today, I wanna talk about relationships because if we're gonna talk about being mad or being angry, we have to talk about relationships. Because how many people have learned by now that it's the people we care about the most who make us the most upset? Anybody realize that by now? If I don't care about you, it's hard to make me care. But when I care, man, it's, it's like the, uh, it reminds me of the, the joke I heard about the husband and the wife who were in an argument one day. And the husband says to the wife, he says, um, he's like, how come when we fight, you're able to keep your cool? Like, how come when we fight, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't lose it like me? How, how come you're able to keep... You're cool. And she said, oh, it's, I, I just clean the toilets and it helps me calm down. And she's like, he's like, how does that help? She's like, oh, I just use your toothbrush. So it just helps me to. Yeah. It's the people that we care about the most that make us the most upset, that can make us the most angry. And here's what I want you to know. We're going to have a little fun today with this. But I want you to know, seriously, I believe that God wants to heal some relationships in the room. I believe that God wants to mend some real broken, hurting relationships today. This is not just about a cute little emoji. It's not just about some concept. It's about the idea that God wants to bring back together relationships that have been ruined because of anger and bitterness. Now, here's what you gotta know. God is a God of relationships from the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, at the very beginning. So like you read this when you start those year Bible reading plans and you quit in week two, you have read this verse, I promise you, all right? At the very beginning of the book, Jesus makes Adam, or God makes Adam and he looks at Adam and he says these words, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for people to be alone. How many people know that loneliness feels really lonely and it's not good for, for us to be alone. God made Eve for Adam. Flip the page. He, he gave Moses uh, Joshua. Elijah had Elisha. Jesus did his life with 12 other guys. Paul and Timothy did life together. He even put the animals on the ark two by two, okay? So he is a God of relationships. And we live in a time now that's never been more connected through technology, like we've never had the ability to be more connected, but we've never been more alone when it comes to real, meaningful 
relationships, real meaningful relationships. And the devil, Satan's plan for your life is he wants to get you alone. He wants, you to, make you, he wants to make you feel alone. He wants to separate you. And you gotta know this about Satan. Satan hates whatever God loves. That's why he hates you. So Satan hates whatever God loves. And if God loves relationships, then Satan, if nothing more than just to spite God, wants to destroy all your relationships, especially the good ones in your life. So God designed relationships. Satan wants to isolate you, disconnect you from all of those right relationships. And I believe that the biggest strategy that the devil uses to separate us from relationships is to get us to focus on the things that upset us or to focus on the things that offend us. How many people know that it's so much easier to remember a hurtful or a mean thing that somebody said 20 years ago than it is to remember 20 nice things that somebody said this week? You know what I mean? Like I remember stuff my seventh grade basketball coach said to me about being fat and slow, all right? But I can't remember like all the positive things. It just, when, when things hurt us or they, they stick to us, and I believe that the devil's biggest strategy to separate us is to get us to focus on those things. In all of our relationships, it's so much easier to focus on the things that divide us instead of the things that unite us. Isn't that true? That we're so, it's so easy for us to identify the divisive things, the hurtful things, the things that make us mad in our lives. And when Satan wants to separate us from the relationships that God wants us to have in our life, here's his best tactic. His best weapon is offense. He loves to use offense. He gets us to focus on the things that offend us. He gets us to focus on the comment that somebody made in passing. He gets us to focus on, on, on the, the Facebook post. Dear Lord, he gets us to focus on the Facebook post. He gets us to focus on third-hand information because, you know, your friend's brother's uncle's mom thinks she heard somebody at the salon say this about your kid at the school her nephew goes to. And now she's judging my parenting. And we get offended. We focus on the things that offend us. We take Offense. Has anyone noticed how easily everyone gets offended nowadays? Anybody? And we all get offended. So those of us who point at everybody and say like, oh, you get so offended. We get offended too. I'm being serious. We get upset about the dumbest stuff, don't we? I mean, we could be talking about football teams. I, I, you just got to know as your pastor, I'm worried twice a year that we're going to have a church split. When Louisville, Kentucky play in football, when Louisville, Kentucky play in basketball. Because it's inevitable every year, somebody goes on after the game, posts one little fun, ha-ha, my team won comment or post. 67 comments later and 40 church members, I'm worried nobody's coming on Sunday. Because everybody's offended, you know. Everybody is offended about sports, politics. Hello. And, and, you know, you're like, just one little funny comment about Donald Trump. Whoa, whoa, my bad. Like, gonna delete my account now. Like, I didn't even realize. I just said his hair was funny. Um, like, we get offended about, like, what time other moms put their kids to bed when they're over at our house or comments made about our kids. 
We get offended about whether people eat gluten or not. <laughs> we do. Like, we, we just have the chance to get offended about everything. We get offended about how much money somebody makes or whether or not they bought a new car. We, we get offended about a comment made about somebody else's spouse or whether somebody, you know, nurses or uses formula. I didn't realize how cutthroat the mom world was until we started having kids. I mean, you got to wear a helmet to like mom hangout time. It's for real. Hey, just be, if you never had kids, just be ready. Just get ready because it is, it is some serious stuff. You just have the opportunity to get offended, choose offense so often. And here's what the devil does. Satan, he, he gets you to believe that if someone cared about you, they wouldn't have said that. If someone really loved you, they wouldn't have said that. They wouldn't have done that. Or they would have said something when they didn't. They would have said congratulations. They would have been proud of you. Whatever it is, he gets you to focus on the things that offend you, the things that divide you instead of the things that unite you. And so I want to show you something today that I believe is, is so powerful. It is so simple. It's so simple. But I really believe it's going to help us mend some broken relationships that have been lost and to help us strengthen some relationships that have been struggling. Because some of us in the room, we have friends that we are separated from because of something that was said or not said. And there's a piece of our life missing. Some of us have sons or daughters or moms or dads that don't speak anymore or as little as possible because of something that caused someone to get angry. It was a small thing, then it was a medium-sized thing, then it was a big thing. Some of us can't keep a job or a relationship because we find ourselves always flying off the hand or losing it over things that shouldn't set us off, but they do. Anybody else, you're like me sometimes, like you just find this rage boiling up inside of you and you don't even know where it came from. Like Andrew and I just be talking about the fact that like I forgot to change the baby's diaper and then like I have this rage that comes up inside of me or somebody cuts me off in traffic and I'm not even like, I don't, like, I don't know where it comes from. A boss says, hey, try to do it this way this time, you know, and just rage comes out of me. Some of us have lost a marriage because... We got mad about something small, turned into something big. Satan's plan for your life is to separate you from the relationships that you need. But God's plan is reconciliation. God's plan is reconciliation. He wants you to live your life in healthy, meaningful relationships. So if you have a Bible, get your Bible out, your phone out. If not, it's gonna be up on the screen. We're gonna read two really simple verses of scripture in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he gives us just this gold nugget for relationships, for dealing with anger, for dealing with bitterness. I'm going to give you a few points today. Get out a pen, get out a paper. Let's take some notes because we don't know it all, and we don't have perfect relationships. Get your phone out, and let's just ask God to help us today to, to deal with this anger, this bitterness, this hurt that is in our lives. Are you ready? All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 25. Here's what it says. Jesus is talking. He says, when you're on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. So simple, but so profound. 
the way Jesus so often is. Can we all just agree in here that we're going to have differences in life? Can everybody just agree with that? If we can't start there with that agreement, we're not going to see eye to eye for the rest of the message today, okay? If you feel like everybody's got to agree with you, if you feel like everybody's got to see it your way, I can't help you, all right? I love you, but you're just going to have a life of hard relationships, all right? But if we can all agree that we're going to have differences, there are Democrats in the room, there are Republicans in the room, there are crazy moms and orderly moms, there are crazy kids and orderly kids, there are, you know, rich people and poor people, black people and white people, like, we just are going to have differences. But differences don't have to divide us. And Jesus gives us this powerful principle here. And I want to, I want to show it to you. Devin, come on up here for a second and help me out. So remember what I said? I said that Satan's most powerful weapon for your life is offense. He wants you to be offended. He wants things that should be small to be big. He wants things that shouldn't bother you that much to bother you a lot. He wants you to be offended, right? So Jesus says, Matthew 5, 25, he says, when you're on your way to court with your adversary, interesting word, adversary. Adversary means opponent. And so Jesus says, there are going to be times in life when you have the opportunity to view a relationship as a friend with differences or as an adversary. I'm gonna give you some free marriage advice this morning, all right? If you view your spouse as an opponent, you may think you win, but you lose, right? There's no winner in that. And so Jesus says, you're on your way to court with your adversary. An adversary means opponent. So if I enter into all the relationships in my life like everybody is my opponent, then I start thinking I've gotta win every argument, win every conversation. You understand what I'm saying? So Devin and I are going through life together. We're doing good. We're boys. We're hanging out. Everything's good. Knew each other since high school, whatever it is. And then he just says something in passing one day about my wife. And it wasn't that big a deal, but she's my wife. Don't talk about my wife. And so a little something happens. I don't really address it or whatever. It's not that big a deal. We're still boys, but there's just a little bit of distance between us. You following me? And then something else happens. I don't know what it is. My kid spills drink on his carpet. I don't know, whatever. He says, my kid's always doing stuff like that. Whatever it is, I could come up with examples. I'm not gonna tell you which kid, but you probably know. So, <laughs> so, and there's a little bit more distance and there's a little bit more distance. Here's what happens over time. It happens in all your relationships, married, kids, boss, whatever it is. You have to make a decision because it happens. You're gonna have differences. I've got to decide, is Devin my friend with differences or is Devin my adversary? Is he a friend with differences or is he an adversary? And Jesus says, you're going to have differences. And when you get to a situation in life where there is some decisions that have to be made with your adversary, settle your differences. Settle your differences. Close the distance as quickly as possible. Come on up here, Andrew, and help me real quick. Just stay right there, Devin. So hop over here on this side for me. So this is my wife. I love her. She's incredible. Best thing that ever happened to me. You like me because you like her. I know the truth, all right? <laughs> I get it. We had a, said this story so we had a consultant come in to help us with the church and stuff and just kind of help us be better pastors and stuff. And so we go to lunch afterwards and said, listen, I could give you lots of advice, but here's my best advice. Just don't ever leave Andrea's side. That was his advice to me. <laughs> Great advice. So Andrew and I are married. 
and, you know, life's pretty good, different things happen, whatever, 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 but then we go through one of those seasons of arguments. Don't be shaking your head yet. We go through seasons of, we go through seasons of arguments, or I don't know if you have small kids who cry in the middle of the night and need a bottle and a diaper change, but, like, we're elbowing each other, like, your turn, your turn. No, I did the last six. No, you got to do this one. You know what it is. How come you never help around the house? I said, take out the trash. There's four boxes over there. Why didn't you cut the grass? I thought you were going to cut the grass. Hey, I went to Target. I was only going to spend 27. I spent 270. You understand what I'm talking about? And I have, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm, I'm prophesying, I'm preaching here. So I have the opportunity to view my spouse as my spouse with some seasonal differences right now. We're not seeing eye to eye on responsibilities. We're not seeing eye to eye on the budget. We're not seeing eye to eye on some things. She's either my spouse with some differences or she's my adversary. She's my opponent. And there's distance between us. And we used to go to bed together, but now we don't go to bed together anymore. And we used to hang out in the living room together, but now she hangs out upstairs and I hang, up, hang out downstairs. I'd rather be with my guys than be with her. Whatever it is, now we're not just spouses with differences anymore. Now we're adversaries, which means when we're talking about something that shouldn't have a winner and a loser, there's got to be a winner and a loser because she's my opponent and I'm her opponent. Are you following me? So Jesus says you're on your way to court with your adversary. Once they become an adversary, there is a progression that follows, and Jesus gives it to us. He says, settle your matters quickly. Otherwise, the next thing that happens when you don't settle matters quickly is you begin to start making accusations. He says you're accuser. That's what always happens. So Devin and I were doing fine, but now we got a little bit of distance, and now he's my adversary. So now I start making accusations against Devin. You've done it. I've done it. It's been done to us. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, Devin said that. I mean, I mean, if I was married to his wife too, like I, I probably would feel that way too. You know, I mean, if, if his, if I had his kids or, you know, well, yet, you know, Devin said that because he's jealous. Devin said, I start making accusations against him. Devin doesn't work hard. Devin has, you know, always thinks he's right, whatever it is, because now we're adversaries. I'm over here with my spouse and I start making accusations. Well, it must be nice to be able to stay home while I'm working all day. Well, hey, it must be nice to, you know what I'm saying, right? And so we're making, I start making accusations. Jesus says that's the progression that always happens. And then after accusations, the next thing, it says you're handed over to a judge. And so here's what happens in all of our relationships when we don't settle matters quickly. I start making accusations, and then we got to find a judge, so I go over to my friends, and I'm like, let me tell you what Devin did. I go to my boys, and I'm like, let me tell you what Andrea did. And they're like, I can't believe they did that. And they're judging, and they're, and they're saying, you know what? You're right. They're wrong. They go to their people. They're right. They're wrong. Or I start judging her. She's lazy. She doesn't love enough. She's not attractive enough. He's a bum. He's got a hair bun. He's a, like whatever it is, a man bun, whatever. Yeah. Now there's a gap. There's a gap. There's a gap. Right? So we used to be friends. Then we became adversaries. We started making accusations, and now all I can do is judge you. Just judging you. You're a bad mom. You're a terrible husband. You're a bad Christian. You're a bad employee. Judge, judge, accuse, accuse, accuse. Why? Because we're not friends with differences anymore. We're not spouses with differences anymore. We're opponents. We're, we're adversaries. 
And then look what he says. He says, after you get to the point where you've got adversaries instead of friends with differences and spouses with differences, after you're accusing, after you're judging, you're going to find yourself in prison. So here's what happens. Remember what I said? I said Satan's most potent weapon is offense. He gets us to be offended. So scoot over here, Andrew, for me a second. Come over here. So Devin and I are boys, and instead of us being friends with differences, now he's my adversary, and we accuse, and we judge, and I decide that instead of settling matters quickly, I'm going to take offense. I'm going to build offense. So hold that for me right there. So with my spouse, instead of settling matters quickly, I decide that I'm going to build a fence. I'm going to take a fence. Scoot on over here for me, Andrea. Just go ahead and put them there together. Yeah, go ahead. Amy, come on up here and help me. Amy and I used to be close, used to be tight. She was on staff, but then she said something. She's not loyal. Can't believe she said that. Can't believe she did that. Instead of settling matters with Amy quickly, now we're going to accuse, we're going to judge, and I'm going to take offense or I'm going to build a fence. Go ahead and put that right there. Christine, can you come help me real quick? Joe, why don't you come up here and help me real quick? Nobody ever wants to sit on the front rows because I'm going to grab you and make you come up here. Christine and I got issues. I didn't settle it. Joe and I got issues. I didn't settle it. And so I decided that instead of settling it quickly, I was going to take offense. I was going to build offense. So what happens? You wake up one day. Jesus said prison. Let's just call it offense. I wake up one day and I say, how come I don't have any friends? How come I'm so lonely? Where's everybody at? How come nobody's hanging out with me anymore? How come nobody calls me? How come my wife never talks to me anymore? How come my wife never wants to have sex with me anymore? What's going on in my life? Why am I all alone? Jesus told us right there. He said, you don't settle matters quickly. You view friends as adversaries. You accuse, you judge, you take offense. And the next thing you know, you are locked up in a prison. And look what he said. He said, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. In other words, Jesus said, You can do this if you want and lock yourself up if you want. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your kids. They're not going to like you. Who wants, I don't want to, I don't, it's hard for me to really connect with my bitter, angry parents all the time. So I sit on some guy's couch in 20 years and talk about how my mom was always angry. My dad was never around. It's going to cost you your kids. It's going to cost you your marriage. It's going to cost you your career. It's going to cost you all your friendships. And so, so many of you in the room, you're wondering, why don't I have any friends? Why don't I have any relationships? How come I don't have this or that? It's because for the last 5, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, every time there was a difference, you decided there was an adversary, and you decided to take offense. You decided to build a fence. And I'm going to separate everybody from my life who is different, sees it differently, thinks differently doesn't agree with me, said things they shouldn't have. Congratulations, you did it. And you're all by yourself. You're all alone. You say, Jason, well, you don't understand. You don't know what they did. I have no idea what they did. And it, it was probably an awful thing. But you're alone. You're alone. Jesus called it a prison And you are locked up, and it is costing you everything you have. Give him a hand. Thanks so much for helping me out, guys. Just lay him over there for me. Devin, stay with me. Just keep one. Thank you, Joe. So Jesus gives us the pattern. 
They're your adversary. Then you accuse them. Then you're judging them. People are making judgments. You lock yourself into a prison, and it costs you everything that you have. So what do we do? What Jesus tells us, instead of building a fence, he says, I want you to settle matters quickly. So I get to make a choice every day. You get to make a choice every day. Do I want to build a fence or do I want to build a bridge? Do I want to build a fence or do I want to build a bridge? So I have a choice to make. Devin and I, we're friends with differences. Maybe we've been adversaries at some point. Maybe my my mother-in-law, maybe my friend from high school, maybe my spouse, maybe my ex-spouse, whatever it is, Jesus says, if you don't settle it quickly and you go down the adversary accusation judging route, you're going to be locked up. But you have a choice. You have a choice. You can build a bridge. Watch your toes. You can build a bridge. You can figure out a way to close the distance between you and the person that you have allowed so much distance to come in between you. Is it easy? No. Is it awkward? Yes. But you take a step and you say, hey, we're going to go get coffee. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, uh, let's have a, te- uh, let's text each other. Why don't you come over to my house? Hey, hey, I just want to figure out a way. Whatever I can do, you say, Jason, they're not coming my way any. Okay, but you're building a bridge because Jesus said, settle it quickly. Don't let there be distance. Don't let there be a gap. Don't build a fence. Build a bridge. Build a bridge. Thanks, Devin. You can go sit down. So how do we do it? How do we build a bridge? Jesus said in Hebrews 12, 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Another sermon for another time. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grow up to trouble you, corrupting many. The more distance, the more gap I give, the more room I I give for roots of bitterness to grow up. So how do I build a bridge? I'm gonna give you three of the most simple things you've ever heard in your life. How to build a bridge. Jesus actually gave them to us. Write this down. Number one, how do I build a bridge? Number one, go quickly. Go quickly. Has anybody learned by now that the longer it takes, the quieter it is, the less communication there is, it only gets worse? Any married couples in here, you had a little fight, but then you didn't talk for 24 hours, and then you got back together, you felt this huge gap. And all you said was the chicken could use a little more spice. Now it's been 24 hours and she won't even touch it. Go quickly. Go quickly. Some of you, you haven't talked to a parent in 15 years. Of course it's going to be difficult because there are 15 years of roots of bitterness dug into the ground. Jesus said, go quickly. You move up one verse from where we read, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Jesus is so passionate about reconciliation. He's like, look, don't even sing the worship songs. Don't stay for the sermon. Don't put the offering in the bucket. The moment you realize, and sometimes we have to realize because we don't even realize what we've done, but the moment you realize or recognize that there is a distance or a difference between you and someone that you care about and someone that you love, there is nothing more important. Don't put the God card on it. Don't play the Jesus spiritual thing. I don't even care about that. Go as fast as you can and make it right. Make it right. Be reconciled. Go 
quickly. Number two, how do I build a bridge? Number one, I go quickly. Number two, I do what it takes to work it out. I do what it takes to work it out. You say, Jason, I mean, it's on them. They, they got to apologize to me. No, that's not what he says. Matthew 18, 15 and 16, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. In other words, Jesus says, I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be awkward. You know, it may feel like a, you know, like you're, you're a sit-in. It may feel like you're, you're, you're I don't know what it's going to feel like. An intervention. Whatever it takes, do that. Do whatever it takes. Don't let there be distance in the relationship. Build a bridge. You say, well, Jason, I've been waiting for five years, five months on them to apologize. I didn't do anything wrong. Do what it takes. Suck up your pride. Do what it takes. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Do what it takes. If they were going to fix it, they would have fixed it a long time ago. Do what it takes. I don't want to sound like a bad Carmen or Stephen Curtis Chapman song, but you know, Jesus did what it took. He came to us. We didn't come to him. Jesus said, there's a gap between me and them and they don't have what it takes to make up the gap, so I'm gonna go to them and I'm gonna go to the cross. You're never more like Jesus than when you choose to suck up your pride or your right standing or what you can hold on to. You're never more like Jesus than when you lay all that down to build a bridge. So do whatever it takes. Number three, you ready? If all else fails, forgive, even if they don't deserve it. If all else fails, forgive, even if they don't deserve it. Maybe the most powerful line in all the Bible. Jesus hanging on the cross. He looks down from the cross. He sees the exact people who have whipped him, beat him, betrayed him, yelled crucify him. These are the same people he healed, the same people he fed 5,000. Like he did miracles for them. These are the same people who turned on him. So he has dealt with actual real betrayal, actual real abuse, and he's about to deal with death. He has every right to just stand his ground and say, God, bears from the bushes come out and eat them up. God, lightning bolts. God, whatever it is. He looks down from the cross and he says, Father, forgive them and that's a powerful line but here's my favorite part because they don't even know what they did some of you in the room today you're so locked up in a prison and you believe that the person who hurt you knows exactly what they did you believe the person who who did what they did is sitting at home just as bothered as you are about what they did to hurt you can I tell you 95% of the time they don't even realize what they did they don't even realize how bad their words hurt you. They don't even realize how big of a hole they left in your life. Your bum of a dad who walked out on you, he knows he did the wrong thing. He has no idea how bad it hurt you. And so we have an opportunity to be like Jesus when we say, God, they don't deserve it, but I'm going to forgive them because I understand that they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what they did. He doesn't know how bad he hurt me. 
They don't even realize how, how like they said that, but that was connected to this, that was connected to this, and I got deep issues, and so it, it welled up inside of me. And so, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to be like Jesus, and I'm going to forgive. Pain's still real, hurt's still deep. I'm not just talking about football team arguments and politics. I'm talking about deep, real hurt. And you think they've got a playbook at home where they drew it up, like this is how I'm going to hurt them and this is what I'm going to do. They don't even know. That's why they don't care as much as you. You got to choose to forgive. So with Jason, I'm trying to reconcile it. I don't know, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how, how to fix it. What Jesus tells us, a very powerful statement in Matthew chapter 7. I think this is what's holding a lot of us back. We want, we want relationships to be reconciled and we want things to be right, but we're so desperate for the other person to recognize their faults and make it right. Right? Isn't that what we all want? Everybody in the room right now, you'd say, well, I'd, I would make, I'd forgive them and I just would like an apology. I'd forgive them. I just want them to say, you know what? I know what I did was wrong and I'm sorry. And the reality is it's probably never going to happen. But here's what happens to us. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? So in other words, Jesus says, we're walking around like this. And we're like, I can't believe what they did to me. And if they'd let me, I'd help them. I could show them. I, I could show them what their problem is. We have a log sticking out of our head, and we're like, I mean, I could tell them. Just five minutes, and I could show them where they did wrong, and I could tell them how to be better, and I could... And we've got our own issues. And part of the biggest reason why we're so upset is because of issues in our own life. Really healthy people are not offended that often. And so I even had some people come up to me after the first service and were like, Jason, I mean, I'm trying to make it right with this guy, but they're this and they're this and they're this. Just more accusations, more judgment. They're this, they're this, they're this. And I mean, they just don't even see it, Jason. They just don't even see it. And what I want to say back, and sometimes I do, is like, you don't even see it in yourself. What did Jesus say? He said, let, uh, uh, he said how can you think of saying to a friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own hypocrite? First, get rid of the log in your own eye. And after, in other words, Jesus says, after you deal with you, after you deal with your issues, after you deal with all of your stuff, which you won't get worked out by this weekend, by the way, <laughs> then you will see well enough, you'll have a perspective, you'll have a grace, you'll have a discernment. You will, you will see well enough to be able to help your friend deal with their issues. But you're trying to help them and you got, a, you got issues. So how do we build a bridge? Go quickly. Do whatever it takes to work it out. And if all else fails, forgive them even if they don't deserve it. I had a guy come up to me after the first service and he said, I've tried, I've tried, I just can't figure it out, I've tried. I said, listen, all you can do is know when you lay down, you've done everything you could to reconcile the, the relationship. That's all you can do. Just don't let it ever be said of you that I tried, but they weren't receptive or whatever it is. 
Go quickly. Do what it takes to work it out. If all else fails, forgive, even if they don't deserve it. I want to end today by just giving one disclaimer, okay? Because I know for some of you, as I've been talking right now, you just, you're, it's even hard for you to hear what I'm saying because you're thinking about that deep hurt, that deep pain in your life, how you can shake free from it. I get it. Matthew 7, 3 through 5, Jesus talks about your own issues and dealing with the plank in your own eye. And, and, and that's so powerful and profound. But he has one more verse attached to that verse. Verse 6, chapter 7, he says, Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy, and don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. Build a bridge, make it right. But it's not Christ-like for you to continue to put yourself in a position to continue to get trampled on. So what I'm, what I'm preaching today is not build a bridge, make it right, and just get abused for the rest of your life. Get taken advantage of for the rest of your life. That's not what I'm talking about. Because Jesus was even saying, like, there are going to be times in life where you, you do deal with your issues and you go to help your friend and they just, that's just not going to work. And don't spend your life giving your pearls to pigs. So you got people that keep stealing from you, change the locks and get them out of your life. You know what I mean? But, but forgive before you move on. You got somebody that keeps taking shots at you, block them, get them out of your life but forgive and then move on. Don't let there be distance. Does that make sense to everybody? So we can choose to build a fence, let roots of bitterness grow up, and we can choose to build a bridge, make it right, deal with the hurt, the anger, the bitterness in our heart, and close the gap. Let's pray.